rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1811. Now, 1811, something very interesting happened in Mississippi. There was an earthquake and the Mississippi River rose temporarily and it changed its course. It actually flowed backwards. Why am I talking about Mississippi? You're about to find out. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Ridgeland, Mississippi with a very special guest by the name of William Jeans. William, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am ready to release the clutch. Cool, we'll have some fun. Now, could you share something with my listeners before I give you a proper introduction that maybe, I don't know if there is anything people don't know about you because you've been in the industry for a long time, maybe most people don't know about you, William? I've thought about that question. And if you want to know something that uh, that people don't know or probably wouldn't believe, I'm very shy. No. Yes. Really? Wow. I am. I am enormously shy. I guess you could say I've conquered it to a degree, but it's uh, you know the idea of going up to strangers and introducing myself, and I, it, it's it's very difficult for me to this to this day. You know, this is interesting because one of the biggest challenges I have having people as guests on the show is they're shy or timid or concerned about being recorded. And I've had guests that are good friends of mine that I've known for decades that just didn't want to do it because they were so nervous. Let me ask you this. If there's one thing you could share with a listener out there that tends to be nervous, that holds them back from meeting new people or doing things where they get themselves out of their comfort zone, what's one of the ways that you have worked on that challenge for yourself? Well, you you realize that people are basically on your team. Hmm. They they had rather you not be shy. Nobody gets yelled at for being shy. You, you know, it's not uh, it's not a character flaw really. But if you, I guess, think positively is the is the way I would put it, and just say it's. I mean, I'm not shy about about you know being on your show at all. I'm delighted to do it. I enjoy it. But if I didn't know you or didn't know something about it, and 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 I had to go knock on the door and say, I hear you have a radio show. I would like to be on it. I almost cannot do that. I love the way you said that, that everybody wants you to be on their team. And I believe in that, that most people want you to succeed. And if you just take that bold step forward. And what I've suggested, I did this with my children when they were younger, and neither of them are shy today. But when they're younger, kids are that way, which there's a defense mechanism, I think, built into little kids, which is probably a good thing. Probably good, yeah. Yeah, but I've just said to them, here's how you break through that. For instance, my son, when he was younger and wanted to start dating, you know, dad, how do you like act around a girl? You know, I said, just ask them a question about themselves and shut up. 
that'll generally do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with what I do every day is ask great questions and I try to be quiet. So let me give you a proper introduction, William, and we're going to dive into some questions about your very interesting life and a new book that you've written here that has brought us together today. William Jeans has been a major figure in automotive journalism for more than three decades. He became a staff writer for Car and Driver in 1972 great year for cars. I had a 72 Porsche 911. After 10 years in the ad agency business and eventually became the editor-in-chief at that magazine. He was senior VP and group publisher at Hatchet Magazines and founded Classic Automobile Register and AMI Auto World Weekly. William has earned numerous press awards from a wide variety of publications throughout his career, and his latest book is titled The Road to Pickletown, and it is not what you would expect from an automotive journalist. It showcases his wit and humor that characterized his writing for automotive magazines throughout the decades. With the foreword by political satirist and journalist P.J. O'Rourke, by the end you'll learn how Pickletown, Mississippi earned its name and why this automotive journalist's heart is rooted deeply in the Magnolia State. We will be back in just a minute, but first a word from our value sponsors, so keep the seatbelts on. We're about to go to Pickletown. We'll be right back. The best way to protect and preserve your vehicles, along with the meanings and memories and experience that they give you, is with a quality-made, custom-fit car cover from my friends at Covercraft. I purchased my first Covercraft cover from my 1967 Gia way back when I was in high school in 1975. At Covercraft.com, you'll find a multitude of indoor options, including form fit, fleece satin, and their very unique view shield. That's right. You can see your car right through the cover, but it's the sun that you really need to worry about. Quality outdoor options include Weather Shield HD and HP, Sunbrella, Reflect, Carhartt, Evolution, and NOAA. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. Your cover is custom tailored for your special vehicles and manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. And I've got a great deal for you. If you use the code yeah 21 at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off compliments of cars. Yeah, that's right. 10% off. Simply use the code yeah 21 yeah 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Last year, I changed my collector car coverage to American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Rains here at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. 
That's American Collectors Insurance. All right, William, we're back. So let's dive a little deeper into the corner. I want you to talk, maybe if you'd like to talk a little bit about your past, but mostly dive into this book because it's fascinating. It's full of humor. It's full of fun. And the title, The Road to Pickletown, hopefully you'll give us some insights into that. So grab the wheel. Well, when you have been in the automotive writing business for as long as I was in it, one of the difficult things that you have to come to grips with is sooner or later you're not really current anymore. You don't have the time or the connections or the geographic locations to drive enough product to you know, have your opinions really be worth a hell of a lot. So I turn to other things. A weekly newspaper in Jackson, Mississippi, the state capital, provides me space to write columns on most anything I'm interested in writing about. And while I'm interested in cars and have done a few, actually more about driving than about cars, uh, the rest of it ranges from politics to just some straight humor to uh, nostalgia to uh, uh, autobiographical bits and pieces. And I got to the point, there had been enough of them, over a hundred, I think. I said, you know, I could gather up some of these and and some of the things that I'd done for non-automotive publications such as Sports Illustrated and Playboy and you know, maybe publish a, a collection. And I talked to the editor of the paper, and he just thought it was a great idea and encouraged me. And so I went ahead and did it, and that's how we came up with the road to Pickletown. And and that come that comes from a column about towns in Mississippi with strange names or are able to form themselves into strange groups of names and it's just it's just fun there's no you know no no real mystery to it but uh, pickle town uh, I'll give the secret away okay it had nothing to do with pickles <laughs> a mr pickle founded pickle town which is not far from Kosciuszko, Mississippi, or was. It's completely gone. But he made uh, crocs, like uh, churns and uh, uh, other other vessels for farm and home use. And Mr. Pickle called his neighborhood Pickletown. <laughs> but then it went away. <laughs> then, it, then it disappeared. The pickle disappeared. Exactly. Yeah, as they do. Well, it sounds like... A really fun, a great read, and I'm going to make sure I put links to all you listeners can get your hands on this copy because I guarantee you it's going to bring a smile to your face. It's going to be fun. And I find it really great that you took all this history and past groups of work and created something really new out of it, which is pretty darn cool because sometimes I even feel that way. When I look back you know, at, at the point in my life, I look back at young people and I see what they're doing and I feel like I'm kind of outside of some of it, just because of where I am at this point in my life. And you think, well, how can I get back inside? How can I be back involved? And sometimes just going through, I've been told I should take a lot of the lessons I've learned from my 1,811 plus guests now, and at some point write a book, and maybe that's in my future. It sounds daunting. When you decided to take this on, did it sound daunting, or did you just grab it and have fun with it? 
Well, here, here's what you, you think about. You think about grabbing it and having fun with it. You say, well, you know, this will be fun. And then you realize that you can't just take, in the case of this book, I, I think there are 115 columns or maybe that many. I should know that, and I don't. You don't just say, okay, stack them up and send them to the printer. There needs to be some sort of organization and, uh, um, you know, organization, which is the lifelong enemy of creativity, but it <laughs> yeah. must be done. You, you really can't be creative without some organization. So I divided it into four or five major categories, and then within those, just put things in and then read them myself and say, does this order seem stupid or good or entertaining or does it seem like it's the way it ought to be? And that takes a while. Believe it, you would think you could wrap something like this up in three weeks. It took me about six months, which is a a short term for producing a book. And yet, when you consider that it was already written, it just wasn't arranged. Uh, it, it's it's a long time, and I did not work eight hours a day every day on it, but. Uh, but it was the moving uh, uh, or the motivating project in my life for, you know, for half a year. Yeah, sounds fascinating. Now, let's go back in time a little bit here because you worked in the ad agency business and then you migrated into magazines big time and worked in journalism and, and magazines for a long time. Uh, when did you figure out that was the right place for you to be at that point in your life? Well, the biography that you have is probably not as clear as it might be. I first worked for Car and Driver as a staff writer in the 70s, and that is a good stepping stone into the ad agency business. Okay. If you know a product or field or, or even if you're just a, a good writer, Advertising, as you've probably heard, except for kidnapping, it's it's the most rewarding uh, <laughs> uh, profession on earth in writing short paragraphs for big money. And in my case, you know, working at Car and Driver, and you have some visibility within the automotive advertising community. If you were at that time, if you worked for one of the four big car magazines, and I just I got a job offer from uh, Chevrolet's ad agency and took it and stayed in the ad business for almost exactly ten years, and then freelanced for a while, which was the probably the three best years of my life. Uh, in that, you know, I didn't report to anybody. I didn't go to a single meeting, I don't think. And then got the offer to go back to Car and Driver as the boss. Very cool. Let's talk a bit about inspiration and driving inspirations in your life. Have there been or was there a real prominent person that was influential in your life and your career to help guide you down the right path? Oh, heavens, yes. David E. Davis. Jr. Oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that guy. Exactly. That guy. The the one person in the automotive journalism business who, who rose to such a position of respectability that he gave the commencement address at the University of Michigan. Mm. I mean, I you know, that you can't make that up. <laughs> and, and he's the only person, to my knowledge, that's ever accomplished anything uh, that attain quite that level of uh, overall respectability. 
Yeah, I loved his book I got years and years ago, Thus Spake David E., the collected wit and wisdom of him. Uh, I never got to meet the man, but uh, that's pretty cool getting to work around somebody like that. He was, and we became, uh, we were good friends. We were, we were colleagues. I'm one of the few writers who was any good at all who ever worked for David and that he didn't fire at some point. <laughs> he usually rehired them, but uh, he fired Brock Yates three times. Uh, <laughs> well, Brock, and, you know, uh, he could get a little out of control. <laughs> oh, he could. And, um, and we became, you know, good friends. We were competitors. When I left uh, automobile and went back to car and I say left automobile, I was writing a freelance uh, column for them and went back to automobile. But David was the guy who suggested me for the job. Mm, So, I mean, he he had a, a major influence on my life. Wonderful. For a young person these days wanting to go into journalism or writing about automobiles, what's maybe one piece of advice you might offer them? Learn to speak your native language and to write it. Pretty simple. <laughs> it, it's as simple as it gets. And, and English is the most complicated language on earth, according to some of the linguists. But it's not, it, it's not impenetrable. And there's no reason that you can't write a declarative sentence if you work at it. <laughs> and, you know, clarity is everything. If, if somebody doesn't understand what you've written, well, you know, you've been a miserable failure. You, you might use a lot of big words and flowery phrases and all of that, but you, you've, you've failed. Uh, if, if you can't say the cat walked into the garage, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a furry cat. It doesn't have to be a cluttered garage. <laughs> it doesn't have to be walked silently. I mean, you know, most cats walk silently, if you think about it. And it's also fun. I mean, I love the English language. I have a good time when I when I actually bolt myself down and start to write something or have an assignment. You, you, you go through the initial horror of saying, oh, God, I'll never be able to get this done. But then once you start putting the words on paper, uh, it's just extraordinarily rewarding. Absolutely. Very well said. Let's take a short break and we come back. I've got a bit of a challenge question for you, William. So sit tight and we'll be right back. What began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions, raising over $133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions. And I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, their auctions are world-class lifestyle events where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online. Barrett-Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, Texas. The excitement of Barrett-Jackson auctions is contagious, and a unique experience is not to be missed. And coming soon, something new for you Cars Yeah listeners. I'll be teaming up with Craig Jackson on the first-ever Barrett-Jackson podcast, coming to your mobile devices every week. Listen here on Cars Yeah and check out the Barrett-Jackson website for unique details 
on this new exciting podcast that I'm very proud to be a part of. And be sure to visit BarrettJackson.com today. Barrett Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions. All right, William, let's talk about a big challenge you've faced in your life, your career. Now, you've been around for a while, so I'm assuming you've probably dealt with some of this. Nobody who is successful hasn't dealt with challenge, failure, obstacles. Share one bumpy ride you had, but more importantly, what was the lesson learned so you could move through that in a positive way? Well, I flunked out of flight school in the Navy. Oh, okay. And I and I I flunked out not not because of a lack of dexterity, but I learned it. I got through solo in the I think it was a T thirty four. It was called a single engine uh, the instruction plane, and I realized that it was very difficult for me to concentrate in a straight line and in an un- uninterrupted fashion. And you know, here you are several feet above the earth in case something goes wrong. And I think it was a manifestation of something that later became called, became known as ADD or whatever. It was just difficult for me to concentrate. And I said, hey, I'm going to kill myself if I don't get out of this. Mm. And and I quit. And it was a terrible thing to do because by that time, I had been all the way through pre-flight successfully. Mm -hmm. And I had also been through two-thirds of a program called NAO, which was Naval Air Observer. These were the officers who did uh, navigation, you know, non-pilot flying officers. And I'd done that and then got all hot because all the my pals I went through pre-flight with were in pilot training, and I, and I shifted, and it was a big mistake. Mm-hmm. So the the first thing I learned is the grass is or can be brown on both sides of the fence. And then the next thing is, okay, you've done that, and you're looking at another three years in the United States Navy that you have signed up for, and now what? And the Navy, and I don't know if this was intentional or if somebody at the Bureau of Personnel had a sense of humor. They said, okay, this guy's quit flight training, so we're going to put him in ship's company on an aircraft carrier. Oh, gosh. So I I went to the Intrepid, which is now a museum, Mm -hmm. uh, something I'm mightily ambivalent about, and and I, I I prospered. I became a qualified underway officer of the deck, which which is a fairly big deal in the Navy, and ultimately became senior watch officer on the on the ship, and um, just had a wonderful time. Got to pick up one of the astronauts out of the out of the sea, and you know little things wow. like that. Also, we participated in the Cuban missile thing. And the uh, Berlin Wall, mm. uh, which most people don't realize how close we came to bad things with oh, the Berlin yeah. Wall. We had an atomic weapon on our flight deck sitting next to a plane on one of the elevators. Wow. And that gets your attention when you, oh. you know, you finish dinner in the wardroom and you, you walk up to go out and take a smoke and you have to go through the flight deck and there are two Marines standing with weapons and this thing under an olive drab uh, tarpaulin and the plane sitting there and you know what it is. Wow. (laughs) Holy cow. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. That's incredible. Well, I want to thank you for your service, first and foremost. Really appreciate that. 
the benefit was all mine. Well, the great thing about your story I heard was knowing when something isn't right for you and with all the pressures not continuing. Uh, I think you said it more eloquently. I didn't want to kill myself. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you you know, you hit the silk. You, you've got to make a change. Uh, and when I went to work for Car and Driver, I, I, I left a, a, a good family business. My dad was a Detroit diesel engine distributor. We were not in the equipment business, but in the diesel engine business. And I just hated it. I, I didn't do badly at it, but I just did not like it. I wanted, you know, maybe just a, l- a little more interest and excitement after. By that time, I beginning at age 15, I, you know, I had 10 years, I guess, uh, in the in the diesel engine business. But I just didn't like it, and and car and driver gave me a way out. Well, it's wonderful, and it's something that when people get older in life, like me and like you, you start to realize how important it is to spend time doing what you love because we're not promised all this time that we get. So I said for 40 years that I never went to work. I went to the office, (laughs) and there's a a big difference. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Talk about using the right words. There you go. At this point in your life, William, is there another big bucket list item that you have in your future? My bucket list at this point is to probably live another seven or eight years and, and we we've tiptoed around this, but I am eighty three, which wow. is congratulations. Uh, wow that 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 gets you know that gets your attention. You know, <laughs> even you in the dark of night when you're lying there thinking of things, and you say, "My God, I am eighty three <laughs> years old." Uh, I mean, so that's one thing. But I uh, I've been, I've been so lucky in the, I've been to a hundred countries. I've seen all seven continents. Wow. It's hard to come up with, you know, with with something else. Not that I've (laughs) done everything, but I've done way more than my share. You've lived a full life, and that's incredibly powerful. Yeah, I think that's quite wonderful. Well, I will tell you this, William. You're not the most senior person who's been on my show. I believe 94 uh, was the uh, oldest guest on my show, the youngest being 14. So I've run the gamut, quite a w- wide range of, of people, but uh, quite a life that you have lived. Well, that, that, that makes me feel great to be one of the young guys oh, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, who's yeah. come on your show. Yeah, you got a lot of life left to live, my friend, so don't worry about it, definitely. Now, I'd like to ask my guests about a special vehicle in their life, something that they've had that has meaning and maybe share something about that ride. Now, you and I talked about a Carmigia you had as a very young man, and I had one of those too. Uh, but what's a special vehicle f- story for you, William? Well, there are two that are okay. just, I mean, that are really special. One was a white single-seat roadster painted in Fire Chief livery and run by pedals. It was my first car, <laughs> and it had a bell on the front that had a string on it that as you pedaled around the corner, uh, you could pull the string and the bell rang. Nice. Now, you know, I'm I'm about three and a half or four years old. This was high zoot, I want to tell you. (laughs) uh, And even even when I I toppled off the um, uh, precipice at the end of our sidewalk on 6th Street in Corinth, Mississippi, and tumbled into the street with 
brought my grandmother shrieking from the house. I was fine. But, you know, it was a car I had my first wreck in. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it just is a, I, I love that thing until this day. Uh, the other was from the same period. It was a 1941 Ford two-door, not the coupe, but the, the two-door sedan. And it belonged to my dad, who was a, at that point an, an infantry lieutenant and before he went overseas in, in the war. And it's the first car I was ever allowed to sit in his lap and steer and uh, get my first feel of what it was like to actually make a car go right or left. And and, and it's it's as much a part of my uh, my memory bank as anything else. You know, it's wonderful. You and I share something. My first car was a Garten Cadillac pedal car that my All right. my uncle gave me when I was about two, I think. I have a picture of me. I'll have to send that to you. And my mom said she couldn't get me out of that thing. So uh, it was yellow. Uh, so I'm told. I don't remember the color, but I do remember my mom saying it was yellow. I have a black and white picture of it. But uh, yeah, those old little, well, heavy metal pedal, pedal cars, really. They were quite heavy. Oh, yeah. They, they were they were nifty. And, you know, I guess I'm a, a critic from, from early on because even in uh, god this would have been 1942 or 3 the thing was white with red lettering on it and i said you know fire trucks aren't white <laughs> now you know they also weren't weren't chartreuse or whatever you call that yeah. that new color now they were red yeah. and i said you know there there's something wrong with this but it was the only car i had so i you know i loved it anyway high zoot uh, that's a saying i have not heard in a long time i like it <laughs> So I'm going to get into your head a little bit here, William, as if I haven't already. If you were manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be, but your personality in a vehicle, what would you be and more importantly, why? Uh, I would probably be a Bentley Turbo Sedan. Ooh, okay. Because most people don't know what they are, and, and I'm a little on the private side. They uh, have better performance than you might expect. And I've always, and I guess it was my parents and grandparents teaching, I've always tried to have decent manners and, and behave myself. And they're the big, a big black four-door Bentley uh, it is, it just, it, it exudes decorum, I guess, and yet yeah. there is a definite sense of playfulness under the skin. Definitely compared to the rolls. Now, that's the Turbo R, would you say? The ones built from the mid 80s? Exactly. To the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. Back, yeah, back in the, the, the late 80s, uh, early 90s. Yeah. yeah. Those things had a big uh, 6.75 liter turbo V8 in those things. So they got up and went. That's for sure. And and it was it was surprising. It, it was as if you could put your foot down and make your garage go zero to <laughs> sixty in five or six seconds. You know. <laughs> you know, you're right. Um, I got to go to the track here years and years ago and drive uh, two of the big Bentley models on the racetrack here, Pacific Raceway. And I almost didn't go because I thought, why would they take Bentleys onto a racetrack? That doesn't sound like much fun. I'm not a big car guy. I've always been a small sports car guy. Holy cow, I was blown away by those things. I could not believe not only how fast they were, but how well they handled for a very large, I don't know, probably 
5,000 pound car, maybe more. I mean, it was a big, giant car. So. A, a whopper, yeah. Yeah. No no question. And uh, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, that, that was my impression of them. They, they really had nice road manners and, and could take uh, surprises in their stride pretty <laughs> yeah. well. Take surprises. Another great saying. Now, when it comes to helping others, and I've learned this by talking to so many people, we are happiest as human beings when we do help others. What are some ways that you've given back in the automotive sector? Yeah, I go a little beyond the automotive sector, but if we just hold it to the automotive sector, what I have become in in my dotage uh, is uh, a source. Mm. People forever, I, I have two um, telephone appointments on my desk right now. People say, you know, you did this or you did that. Would you know, would you be willing to talk to me about it? I'm doing a piece or this or that. And I always say yes. Mm. I, you know, even, even even if it was something that I, I, I am, you know, have done to death, so to speak. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do it. There was, um, I mentored a couple of kids in college who, talk their college papers into doing automotive columns and you know I helped I helped them I would you know go over their stuff and fix it and tell them how I fixed it and why and it's you know it's wonderful to see then you know suddenly the column columns are coming along and they they don't really require much help at all and that, that's just a great feeling. Absolutely. And like what you've done for us today is to share some windows into your world here on Cars Yeah. For that, I'm very, very grateful for sure. And I always ask my guests about great books. Obviously, we're going to list The Road to Pickletown as the number one book choice for you. And I'll put links to that and how our listeners can get a hold of a copy. And I encourage you listeners to add it to your library. Is there another book that you're really fond of? I know it's hard to pick maybe one or two. Uh, it is difficult. I, I will, I'll expand a little bit on that. I am trying to read William Faulkner. I am now old enough and mature enough to handle most of it, and it's still difficult. So I'm, <laughs> and, and as a Mississippian, I, of course, have a holy obligation to do that. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, um, I like, um, I like good, Thriller fiction. I love Daniel Silva, for example, uh-huh. who, uh, and I read, uh, I read a lot of biography. It just almost any biography is fascinating when a writer or the person himself or herself in an autobiography tells their story. I, you know, I just love it. A couple of uh, recent books, Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance who's become almost more of a television commentator now than uh, than, a, than a writer. And, and, and by profession, he's an investment banker. Uh, a, a person who, he was from Alabama and wound up going to um, either Harvard or Yale. I can't, I believe it was Harvard. And, and the, interest, the interesting story and poignant quite often and unfailingly interesting of a person who came from uh, a lower middle class background, if that, in the deep south and got thrown into the the world of the elites. You know, it's not a new story, but he does it very well and he coped with it very well and has done very well. I would recommend that book to anybody, you know, whatever part of the country you're from. There you go. 
I'll make sure I put uh, links to these books on William's show notes page. And I'll remind our listeners, this is a great resource on the resources tab on the Cars yeah website that is titled Guest Recommended Books, where there's lots, over 1,850 books listed there for you to go and fill your library and mind with. We'll take one more short break. We come back, we're going to go on the ultimate drive. So stay with us. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. Join Linkage. Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today. Don't forget when you subscribe, use the code CARSYAD to get $10 off your subscription at LinkageMag.com. How did you discover your path to a fulfilling life? Too many young people flounder in finding an education and a career that fits. But for those who have a passion for cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and who love working with their hands, problem solving, and fixing things, a career as a professional auto technician is incredibly rewarding. Cars Yeah! is pleased to team up with TechForce Foundation, our charity of choice in bringing scholarships technical education, and hands-on experience to young people so they can discover a possible future. Join me and lend your support by visiting techforce.org today. All right, I have a magic scepter, William, and that enables me to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. You get to pick the car. You get to pick the person you're with. This could be somebody living or deceased. And I want to know who's driving and maybe what are you going to talk about? So... What's the ride all about? Well, I've, I've, I've thought about that one. And the companion would be Carol Shelby, who was <laughs> a pretty good, pretty good friend of mine. And the vehicle, though, and, and he could be the driver. That, that would be just fine, or we could swap. But the vehicle would have been a Dodge minivan. That was the, the last time we had dinner together. He picked me up at the Beverly Hills Hotel and he said, uh, he said, I'll, I'll pick you up out front and I'll, I'll be in a Dodge minivan. And I said, my God, what a, <laughs> you gotta be kidding. Well, he shows up in this minivan and his, this was in the days when he was working with the, doing some special cars for the Chrysler Corporation. And he shows up and apparently he had everybody who was on his payroll breathe on this thing. And it, it had a Godzilla engine in it and, uh, and but not one thing visible on the outside that would clue you in that uh, this was a, a real a real Q ship, yeah. Yeah. And what we would talk about, ideally, I'd already asked him everything about the Shelby Mustangs, which are a serious enthusiasm of mine, and the Cobras. But I like to hear about the days in Turtlingua and the chili cook-offs, uh-huh. and I, this bunch that he ran around with, 
there was nothing they wouldn't do. There was a reporter who showed up at the Chile thing, and they fixed him up with an Indian princess <laughs> from South Texas. And the guy fell. He was he worked for a big time national magazine. He fell head over heels in love with this woman who was actually a hooker from Dallas. Oh my God! And I, I, I mean that could sort of begin the stories. It, it <laughs> went on from there. I mean, I mean there there are it, it, they, and they were endless and they were funny. And in the final analysis, most of them were you know were pretty harmless. Uh, you know, they they drank a lot of beer. It, it was before drugs became, uh, you know, the the party hors d'oeuvre of choice. And, of course, nobody could tell a story any better than Carol could. William, you have taken us on a wonderful drive today, and I can't thank you enough for spending some time sharing your life with us. This has been a real delight. Before I let you go, could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom, advice, a quote, maybe? Um. You know, you you generally, if you're lucky, you're able to look to your parents for, for you know for decent advice that sure. that might help you slog your way through the swamp. And my dad was fond of a saying, and it it, it has a million applications. But he said you can tell an awful lot about a man when you watch him get something free. And, uh, you know, that's one you can make as broad or as narrow as you want to. But it has helped guide me all these years. Wonderful. That's the first I've heard that. I love it. Is there a, a way for people to keep up with you these days, or is the best way to get their hands on a copy of your book, The Road to Pickletown? Well, uh, certainly, I, they, they can probably learn more about me uh, by reading The Road to Pickletown. <laughs> there, there's a lot of fairly personal uh, history in there that's available on Amazon.com, by the way. And Pickletown is P-I-C-K-L-E-T-O-W-N. And on a good day, if you, uh, if, if you put in my name, it'll show up. I have a Facebook page. That to me is a, a, a little bit like having an embarrassing ailment, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's there. And if if I guess if you ever had an emergency, I might get back to you. <laughs> is that under your name, William? William Jeans? Unfortunately, yes. It, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll put links to these on William Shona's page, and that last name is spelled J E A N E S. If you don't already know that, uh, most definitely. But get your hands on a copy of this book. And I want to do a shout out to our mutual friend Judy Stropus, past guest here on Cars Yeah, who introduced me to William. Judy brings me some wonderful guests. Judy, can't thank you enough for connecting me with some very inspiring automotive enthusiasts. William, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise and sharing this new book, The Road to Pickletown. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. The pleasure's been mine. Uh, th this has been a, you do a terrific interview, and I thank you for having me and for helping me with the book and, and just for brightening up a quiet afternoon in Mississippi for me. <laughs> well, I'm honored, William. Uh, the honor's all mine. Thank you so very much for your kind words. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!